You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg and just off air just now. He was moaning about the fact that it was 14 degrees today in Johannesburg and it was 31 degrees on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Wayne, is this all you can moan about? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. so I suppose then life isn't too bad. But look, the market's not looking all that happy at the moment because of President Trump and the impeachment and the China trade talks that are on next week but might not yield results. And once again, we are far more influenced by global events than by local events. It's all been to do with executive abuse of power, I think. It's been Boris Johnson, it's been Donald Trump. And there were two impeachments in the history of the United States of America. One was Andrew Johnson in 1868. The other one was Bill Clinton because of his... slightly salacious um, activities, and neither of them did anything. I mean, they both stayed in power. So why are people worrying about this? This is surely a buying opportunity. You would, look, look, yes, you're actually actually right. There's, there's, There's a bit of a background first to give into this. I mean, obviously, 2008 global financial markets, the equity market fell 45%. That reset the whole market. Then in the subsequent 10 years, we had extremely low interest rates. And then by definition, an economy that did eventually rebound strongly, a world economy that. So these are the the ideal um, conditions for the equity market. Uh, A low starting valuation, very low, well, record low interest rates, no inflation in the system. And, and an economy that's recovering. I mean, you don't get better conditions for the equity market than that. Where we are now, they are still positive. In other words, there's no inflation anywhere. Interest rates in the U.S. are actually falling, as we know. So, therefore, those conditions are still positive. But the economy, I mean, it's still growing. I, I, I doubt if there's any recession in the immediate future in the U.S. or in the world's economy. But it's quite clear the growth rate is slow going down. And of course, the valuations now are not the valuations we had in 2008 after the correction. So 50% of the conditions are still in place for at very least supporting the the equity market. So I think you're probably right to buy on any dips because when you look at what's happening, look, as far as the world's economy is concerned, Brexit is not a major thing. This impeachment of Trump could potentially be some understand the the House, which is controlled by the Democrats, have actually tortured themselves over this impeachment thing because they wanted to do it simply to get at President Trump, but they were scared to do it in case it somehow uh, affected the 2020 presidential election prospects. Yes. Because, I mean, I don't know any better, but from what I've been told, the, the U.S. doesn't like, like it when the House impeaches a president that was voted in by the people. Irrespective of whether you support the president or not, you were still voted in by the people, and they don't like these impeachment stories. The worst thing they can do, Wayne, I'm extolling hmm. what you've just said. I'm embellishing it. The worst thing that the Democrats can do is impeach President Donald Trump 
because the hillbillies and the hicks that vote for him are going to be up in arms and say, well, we're going to vote for him even more now uh, because, even more, they, yeah. Yeah, because they don't understand the yeah. process. And nobody does understand the process of impeachment, actually. And the previous two impeachments in U.S. presidential history have come to nothing. So they're going to mm. say, well, we love this president because he's being put upon. He's being yeah. downtrodden. He's being trodden on by yeah. these, these people. Presidential so, harassment. Exactly. Exactly. Harassment. Exactly. That's what right the word is. So I would, so, if, if I, mean, I was, if I was Nancy Pelosi, I'd say, oh, let's just hold back and let's just let the, let, the, let, let the voters decide exactly yeah, on his record. Let's just yeah, no, talk look, about. I mean, make no mistake. That decision has been torturing them for a long time because they know exactly what you've been saying. Yes. They know exactly that it could actually backfire on them. But in any case, it is a political statement. Because the, the, the Republicans still control the Senate, and only the Senate can fire the president. So you can have impeachment hearings, but the Senate's got to vote on it. What do you think so of Boris Johnson? This, in theory, is going to go nowhere. In theory, President Trump's impeachment, he won't actually be impeached as the president, you know, unless there's truly overwhelming evidence of skullduggery going on. Now, there is skullduggery going on, but can you prove it? Is it overwhelming evidence? Yeah, well, that'll be something for future books and future generations yeah. and, and future lecturers at universities to mull over. What do you think of Boris Johnson, who is quite – I mean, I, I think Trump is extraordinary, but Boris Johnson is unbelievably extraordinary. Yeah, look, unfortunately, this Brexit thing has severely impact, impacted the economy of the UK – but maybe even more importantly, it's in severely impacted the psyche of the UK. You know, the UK in general was not a divided country per se. Hmm. You know, sometimes the one party gets in and sometimes the other party gets in. And, you know, the Scottish voted to leave, but that didn't work. And, you know, but this whole thing now has really divided the country. And when you get that happening, it destroys confidence. And that's the big thing. And there, the biggest example is what's happened to all the share prices of the property companies. I mean, the property market has been severely impacted. Decimated. My daughter who lives, yeah, decimated, yeah. My daughter who lives in the UK now has just now, whether she's right or wrong, time will tell, but she's just now bought a, a, a property in a, recent, a relatively new development that they were still selling off the units. And... Two years ago, when they looked at the same place, remember that's two years back, they still haven't sold them. Well, two years ago, when they looked at the same place, yes. the, the price they bought at now is 40% lower than the price two years ago. Just How to much? Try and get it to move. 14 or 40? 40. 40. That's extraordinary. Either it was too high or it's now too low. Yeah, it was probably way too high. But I'm just saying that's the impact it's had on this company that's built this apartment block, whatever you want to call it, that's now trying to flog off these unsold units, trying to at least get some money in the bank. Good Lord. So, I mean, it, it's, it's actually astonishing the effect that it's had on the UK in total. And, you know, just putting the effect it's had, it still doesn't seem to be a resolution. No one knows what on earth is going to happen with all of this. I mean, my opinion for what it's worth is that they are so divided in Parliament now, and the voters are at each other's throats, and they're also at Parliament's throat, 
that the only actual answer is another general election or another referendum. I mean, I, 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 in the current set of circumstances, Boris Johnson might not be around for much longer. Of course not. He can't get anything through Parliament. Labour doesn't seem to be able to get anything through Parliament. And, you know, when you honestly sit back and look at the two main leaders in the UK, <laughs> neither are actually or, or, or neither inspire you as strong leaders. Eh? They both revolt me, actually, both of them. Uh, yeah. Corbyn and Johnson are both revolting characters when it comes to what I've been used to in the past. I mean, Maggie Thatcher was, yes. or Margaret Thatcher, rather, I shouldn't call her Maggie, that's disrespectful, but Margaret Thatcher... Uh, was a, a fine leader. She was upstanding. Most people didn't. Uh, well, not a lot of well, she was a leader. You might have disagreed she, with her. Exactly. She, but was, she was a leader. Clearly a leader. Yeah. Well, she was a leader. Boris Johnson yeah, is so, not a leader. He's a demagogue. Let's have a look at a couple of things on the Stock Exchange News sure. Service today. The only thing I've seen today is ArcelorMittal South Africa Limited. Yes. And I've been annoyed by uh, politics today. And this annoys me as well because on the Stock Exchange News Service, it says, Announcement of a Strategic Asset Footprint Review. What on mm. earth does that mean? Is that That's a trading update? To... No, no. They're saying, guys, we have lost money hand over fist. On this operation in South Africa, yeah. the share price is down 98%. So it's actually worthless, uh, essentially. Um, they just bought Heifel Steel's big operation in, in Middleburg yes. for nothing because that's also worthless. And they said, guys, this just cannot carry on. So we're telling you now we're going to close some big operations. And there will be the Newcastle one, maybe the Pretoria one. You know, and then just keep the other big one in, in the, 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 the south sort of running. You know, so they're going to they're going to halve the not not necessarily halve their capacity, but they're going to probably halve their workforce and close down one or two major major operations. And look, I mean, just to go back in history, I mean, Arcelor came into the old ISCO. Yeah. And they helped ISCO with efficiency gains and they helped them streamline their operations. And they signed some agreement is that if we achieve these certain things, we will get shares in the company and the next thing they own the company. I still don't quite know how that actually worked, but it's, it's fine because at least they owned it because otherwise South African pension funds would have owned it. and They would have borne the loss, at least now Arsenal Mittal bore the majority of the losses. But I mean, at the end of the day, South Africa is too small to have a steel operation of that size. It, mm. You just cannot compete cost-wise against the Chinese producers or the Eastern producers of steel because they just handle significantly higher volumes. It's the same. I mean, it's, it's a, it would be a devastating thing to happen. But like our South Africa shouldn't have a car manufacturing capability. The market is just too small. And the only way it can survive is to impose literally 100% import tariffs on cars from overseas. So we pay to support the industry. We pay twice for a motor car in South Africa than what the equivalent consumer would pay in Europe or the UK or the US, etc. You know, you know, our economy, I mean, ISCO and the car industry is a leftover from apartheid years where the government decided strategically we have to have these things. So therefore, we will subsidize you to, to open it up. I mean, we shouldn't have an oil refinery here. They're also almost a legacy from apartheid because 
it costs us significantly more to refine it here than what it would cost you to import, you know, refined product. So, but of course there's jobs and there's a whole lot of other implications involved behind this. So it's a very complex issue. Make no mistake about that. But essentially, if we didn't have a car industry or we didn't have a steel industry, no capitalist would, 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 would start one in South Africa. The market is just not big enough and you don't get the volume through and you cannot compete on cost. Okay, so let's have a look at this now. Uh, what do we do? You don't buy ArcelorMittal. It's up 5% no. uh, today because of the, whatever they call it, operational update, uh, trading update. Yeah. So you don't buy that. It's just uh, bouncing off a very, very, very low base. What are you doing at the moment, Wayne? Sitting and waiting and praying and hoping. <laughs> Hold a second. Let me write this down. The Sitting, South African waiting, economy hoping. and hoping that the South African economy at some stage will get better simply because the SA shares are very, very cheap when you look at them on an historical basis. Yeah. But unless the economy gets better, they're not going up. So that's essentially what we do. I mean, we have got a very well-diversified portfolio. We've got lots of global exposure. We've got mining exposure. But our position is on South Africa getting better. That's the slant, the tilt in our portfolio. Yes, but okay, you've said three things with ings at the end. You're sitting, I understand that. You're waiting, I understand that. But you're praying and hoping. That's not the stance that a, a seasoned portfolio manager should no, be taking. You. You're praying and I hoping. You. You've got, you've got to analyse things. Out, now everything points out that we are at a cyclical low. Our own economists turn are predicting an upturn. So there is a little bit of science behind it, but sometimes in South Africa you wonder, is it ever going to happen? Because you just look at circumstances and you look at the stuff coming out from the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. So now obviously, obviously it's an overstatement that we're just praying for it to happen. But sometimes in South Africa, you need some prayers. We're still very optimistic that it will happen, that there will be a turnaround, that there will be some recovery, that there will be policy certainty, and eventually there will be stable government uh, methodologies and and uh, processes and everything will work out better yes. than what it is now because quite frankly it can't get much worse we hope you hope it's been a generation you know, we've been hoping and creating uh, excuse exactly me exactly that's the thing is that sitting the circumstances waiting. were exactly the same the circumstances were the same uh, uh, a year ago and you know nothing's really happened and you've got Eskom and you've got all of these things coming along but I mean, we still, we still, and you can write this down as well. Okay, we're still on. confident that the South African economy will improve. Confident. But you've got to have faith that it's going to. I mean, faith. You know, as in, as in any, as in any investment decision, you are trying to predict the future, which is a hazardous task. In any case, Wayne, for the last twenty-five years. You've been sitting and waiting and praying and hoping, and now you're confident and you have faith. But um, you and I are too old to worry about this. This has been a generation that has passed us by. Come on now. Look, you can make a very let's, – let's take, let's take the history of South Africa post-1994. So from 1994 through to, call it 2000, times were tough. The RAND had to readjust its valuation. I mean, the rand was a highly protected currency. We had the dual currencies, but equally as important, I suppose, the world was in the 
death throes of a 20-year down resource commodity down cycle. So overall conditions were very tough for, let's call it, let's say the first six or eight years of the new South Africa. Then we hit the glory years on the back, essentially, of China. Strong recovery in the commodity market, strong recovery in uh, commodity prices, strong recovery in the RAND, our property market, uh, our share market. It was actually uh, the best times, the best of the best of times. And then the global financial crisis hit, and then the oversupply in the commodity cycle hit, and then President Zuma hit. So we are, we have been for the last eight, ten years, call it, going through a down cycle. Luckily enough, the commodity prices have picked up in the last, call it, four years or so, five years maybe, but the domestic economy is still performing well below trend, even though the trend has actually dropped quite significantly, but it is still, it is still, it is still performing well below trend. And you know that if you believe in cycles, which certainly we do believe in cycles, that you know the good times are followed by bad times, and you know, and essentially the bad times will eventually become better times or good times. That the cycle will eventually turn, and that's the positioning in our portfolio. Okay, and you're still sitting and being optimistic. Uh, what do you think well, about the? What do you think about the political? Uh, how much? I think I asked you this at the beginning of the conversation. How much do you think about global geopolitics and political? Developments which have been so pronounced over the last 36 hours, do they do they bother you or do you just think that they're just going to be something that was a moment in time? Well, at the end of the day, the UK doesn't affect the world's economy that materially. I mean, it's still a big economy and lots of South African companies have got exposure there. Precisely. I mean, look at the Investec share price, etc., etc. There we go. But at the end of the day, the big political decision... It's not Trump impeachment or anything like that. It, it is, will there be a trade deal between the USA and China? That is the big decision. It's been 18 months, Wayne. It's been 18 That's months. That's the big one, yeah. It's just going to go on and on because it's a game that President Trump plays and he wants to be the one that wins. It's nothing to do with mm. the percentage here or the percentage there. It's all to do with him winning. And if he doesn't win, which he won't do against President Xi, then it's not going to happen. It's been going on for 18 months. So anyone that thinks that there's going to be a trade deal is in cloud cuckoo land. No, I'm not so sure about that because the reason why I think there could still be a trade deal is that trade. if there's trade war, it will affect China, obviously. But make no mistake, it will affect the domestic economy as well, which should then, by implication, affect his uh, employment, his, his re-election chance, uh, chances. The Chinese are very, very say. good at reinventing themselves. They can have an internal economy yeah. like the Americans have an internal economy, which they think uh, can be. If you look at the world, you can draw a line around America and say, right, we will be isolated with, from the rest of the world, but we can produce steel, we can make cars, we can grow maize and all that sort of thing. And they can survive on their own. The Chinese are saying exactly the same thing. Behind the scenes, this is my contention, is that the Chinese can become an internally sustainable country. And they don't Not need, they don't need America. They, they want America, but they don't need America. It is, it is possible, but 
global trade is massive. Eh? No one, Apple can't produce a single computer without China. You know, the global trade and the global supply chain is massive. So although eventually it is possible that China could become isolated and the U.S. could become isolated, but not without a sustained decade-long massive disruption to the global economy. It, 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 the global economy is highly, highly integrated. So it, it cannot happen overnight. Have you, seen the Bal- have you seen the Baltic Freight Index in the last uh, couple of weeks, which is an indicator of the extent of the demise of world trade over the last few months? The Baltic Freight Index has, has collapsed. So people are not chartering ships. They are not moving goods from one point to another as they have done in the last few years this is an indicator and i think it's something that we should actually talk about next yeah. week the, uh, the no, we certainly can the baltic no, look, global trade is slowing down the global economy's growth rate is clearly slowing down because of this trade war issues but i still think you'll settle and one of the uh, i i one of the things why i think you'll still settle is just look at what the U.S. soya bean growers, the, the farmers that grow soya beans, they're saying, you know, thanks for the tariffs, thanks for the, not, not for the tariffs, thanks for the subsidies, that's great, thank you very much, but you've only compensated me for half of my loss. I, I'm still losing double what you're giving me back because of the trading embargoes against China, and the subsidy to the soya beans, the agricultural subsidies that Trump, that Trump's paid out, are significantly higher than what Obama paid to the complete U.S. car industries in the 2008 global financial crisis. So, you know, domestic USA is affected by these trade wars. And if domestic USA is affected and it gets affected more, it's got to have a negative impact on politics, on on Trump's political uh, re-election prospects. So, so that's why I still think there'll be a settlement. But of course, you just don't know, because as you quite correctly said, it's been dragging on for a bit. Yeah. 18 months. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment based in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.